Holy Wild Birth is a podcast embracing the reclamation of giving birth rooted in God's original design, undisturbed. Here, we share homebirth stories highlighting God's presence as the great midwife, as well as conversations about all aspects of a holistic, spirit-led childbearing year. From the perspectives of myself, traditional midwife Lauren Hall of Rooted in Eden Private Contract Association, and me, holistic doula and birth keeper Brooke Collier of Sister Birth. To choose a holy wild birth journey is to consecrate all your decisions unto the Lord. And to reclaim creation unadulterated by centuries of human attempts to control and improve upon what God has already called good. Please remember, birth is not a medical event, but a natural process. We are not your care providers, and this should not be taken as medical advice. As we dive into today's birth story, just a reminder that the choices and beliefs of the mamas sharing their stories here are as individual and varied as the storyteller herself and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or recommended actions of Lauren and or Brooke. All right. Hey, Audrey, welcome to Holy Wild Birth. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Um, I purposely did not pre-read your birth stories because I, I wanted to hear them fresh um, okay. I could just tell enough from when you wrote to me that they were going to be great. And so I'm yeah. really excited to hear them for the first time, right along with all of our listeners. <laughs> um, Love that. So, but before we dive into them, um, would you start by just introducing yourself? Yeah. Who you are, where you're from, your family, what you're into, et cetera. I think we got a little delay. A little bit of a delay there. Okay. Um, So I'm Audrey Ross and I live in Central Oregon. I'm a pastor's wife um, at a Quaker church and not that that matters, but (laughs) that's the denomination of my husband. Actually, that's so fascinating to me. Now I'm going to have to have a side conversation with you later because I've been really intrigued by Quakerism lately. (laughs) Okay. Oh, we'll have to talk. So when people hear Quaker, they kind of think like Mennonite or Amish, but it's neither. Um, so we're an evangelical free, like cultures like evangelical church. Um, so I'm a pastor's wife. We have five kids actually, but two of them are through foster care. One of them is in a permanent placement with us. And the other one is probably will turn into a permanent placement, but we also have three biological children. Um, so that's something that God has been mm-hmm. working in our lives over the years of something we said we would never do. And then God called us into <laughs> along with having our own children um, and so it's, we have been in the baby stage for so many years because through foster care, we foster babies. So not all of them do we stay with us. So it's kind of like just doing the baby season of life over and over and over again, um, which is tiring, Yeah. <laughs> but God has called That's us interesting. to that. And yeah. yeah. And it's definitely, um, been a beautiful thing for our family too. Mm-hmm. Um, Personally, I love to run. Um, I'm a personal trainer and a nutrition coach outside of being a mom, although those have taken the backseat for a couple of years now. But my passion really is for health and fitness and the outdoors. Um, we love to hike. We love the fact that we are in 
Oregon and have trails everywhere that we could utilize. Um, and I have a real mm -hmm. passion for women and ministry as well. Um, I lead our women's ministry at the church and that's just really grown more and more every year that I really have a heart for, for women and how we help women fall in love with God's word. Um, mm -hmm. How they can learn to read the Bible for themselves and have that very personal relationship and not need to go through some other route, but really be able to sit down with the Bible and hear God speak. Gosh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. All of that. So. <clears throat> very cool. Thanks. Okay. So now just to give a little more context, did you have a biological baby or foster children first? Yes. Yeah, so I had. What was your entry way, your gateway into motherhood? Yeah. <laughs> with my own daughter. Um, so my husband and I actually, we at one point said, we will, we don't, we don't know if we're going to have kids. We never prevented um, pregnancy, but we just didn't get, I didn't get pregnant for nine years. And at that point I was managing a running shop full-time and my husband was in full-time ministry. Life was full. We kind of were like, how would we even have kids? Life feels so busy. And we kind of said, like, maybe we don't need to have kids. Like, it's okay if we're not supposed to have kids. And God woke me up in a dream in the night and he was like, you're supposed to have a baby. Like, this is time. Wow. And I sat on that for a couple of days and would not tell my husband because I wasn't sure if I was ready for that. And we we're actually on a date. Uh, we were watching a movie and I couldn't even think straight to pay attention to the movie. And finally, I like leaned over to my husband and I was like, we have to leave. And he was like, what? Like, we have to leave. I have to tell you something. God is telling me I have to tell you something. And so <laughs> he was like, uh, okay, we can't wait till the movie's over. And I'm like, no, we have to go now. So we did. And I told him, we're supposed to, we're supposed to have a baby. We're supposed to like purposely try to have a baby. And that next month I was pregnant. And so that was just a testimony to me of God already being in control of our, of our children and of our yeah. fertility and all of that. Um, so I had my wow. daughter and then after three years later, I had a son and then we again went into a season of really wanting to have more children and I didn't get pregnant for five years. And so in that period is where we started foster care in between okay. my second yeah. and my third. So they're kind of sandwiched in between. And we still are yep. actively doing it, but for now, that's where our family's at. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's, that's a pretty incredible yeah. story. Like just even that part yeah. is incredible. Um, I, I find that's that interesting. Of... You're not the first person I've heard tell me that like God told them like, you need to have a baby. It's just such a funny thing, right? I don't think we tend to think that God yeah. would like ask us to our, our obedience to involve bearing children. And yet sometimes, yeah. I mean, that shows yeah. me how much he cares. Like that is on his life totally. and babies are something like, that matter to him and yeah yeah look at your fertile window and go have sex like that god is like this is like go <laughs> do it I'm like okay okay god and yeah. honestly it's kind of bordering on miraculous that after nine years of not actively preventing the first month you like spiritually opened up to the idea there it was yeah. like because most people yes. would have probably written you off as infertile Right? Totally. Like nine years. And we had never gone to doctors because <laughs> Yep. Yep. I know. Not even not even a miscarriage. I mean, not not a chemical pregnancy. I mean, I had taken pregnancy tests off and on, kind of hoping, but then kind of like okay with it. Um, kind of went back and forth. But really had I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't like on the forefront of my mind that like we need to be having children. 
until mm-hmm. God was like, yeah, this is what you need to do. And now, like, I want to have all the kids, you know? Like, God totally, even in that, changed my heart. And mm-hmm. I love having children. Well, that's yeah. so beautiful. I yeah. love how it's so kind of him, isn't it, to, like, maybe ask you to take a step out of obedience. That might even be a reluctant or a shaking with fear kind of first step. Mm-hmm. And then he's kind enough to also, and powerful enough to also be able to shift your heart so that the obedience becomes joyful instead of yes. merely obligatory. <laughs> yes, because he knows what we actually need and what's actually going to be good for us, although we can't see it. He's like, no, you're not going to be content just you and your husband. Like, you're, you're going to want this. Like, trust me, I have something better, even though you're like, ah, this is, I mean, for me, it was so much of, losing my own my own routine you know every every motherhood is completely sacrificial and I had never had to sacrifice like that and so Mm -hmm. it was laying down my own priorities my own time my own job and saying I'm all in on motherhood and and God blesses that I think when he calls us to it then he blesses it absolutely okay well you've preached enough we're gonna end the episode right now just kidding (laughs) (laughs) but really that was so good yeah (laughs) okay so you've conceived this first baby kind of miraculously by direct command from the lord and then how did you walk through that pregnancy and how did you choose your birth plan okay so let me back up a little bit i grew up in a family where not at least at least unmedicated birth was common but and then my mom was also a doula um and she went back to school to be a doula when i was a teenager and I had a sister who was a midwife, although I was kind of, di- I kind of was disconnected from her. So I, that didn't really impact me as much as my mom being um, a doula impacted me. So throughout my teenage years, it was very common for her to come home and sit around the table and share a birth story. Obviously, those birth stories were happening, in, some in the hospital, some in homes, in a variety of places. But it wasn't uncommon to talk about birth. So I was very familiar with that. Um so to begin with, though, my husband and I, we went to, like, for our first prenatal, prenatal, we went to the hospital, and we both absolutely hated it. We did it only because insurance covered it. And we're like, this is a horrible. Like, we felt like cattle, and we were being herded through something, and, like, nobody cared. And we were so ecstatic about expecting, and they could have cared less. And so yeah. we left, and we're like, we have to find something. So... I found some midwives that I really, really did love. And I felt very, um, I felt very loved by them. I really did. And being a first time mom, I felt like they really were very, very caring. Um, And they also just, they empowered me to say, you know, your body was made for this. You can do this. And I had my mom at the same time who was super helpful. She was going to be my doula. So we had gone through like a birthing course with her. My husband and I had. And, um, so I felt very secure with that. I had a, outside of morning sickness, I really had a very good pregnancy, nothing, no other, you know, complications or anything that bothered me. Um, but then at 36 weeks, they kept kind of checking the position of the baby and they said, you know, I think, I think your baby's breech. I think we should do an ultrasound and check. And they just kept being not sure which, which end is the head, which end is the little butt, just can't tell. <laughs> And so they did. And sure enough, baby was a breach. And now breach was not like a strange thing for me. My mom had had four vaginal breach births and all of my sisters had had breach babies. 
So really? in my mind, I was like, my family has breech babies. Yes. Um, I yeah. don't know if that's a thing, but my family has breech babies. So I don't <laughs> know if the shape of our pelvis, I don't know what it is, but I was, that's I was super like, interesting. Okay, like, that's a really heal. high like, incidence no, rate. Not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, um, three of my sisters, three of my, uh, wait, I know for sure three of my five sisters have had breech babies and my mom has had four. <laughs> So you were not so, oh, preconditioned I just, I to be scared of this. It was no, like, so, it was just normal yeah, to you. They, it was normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then they told me, well, we can't actually deliver this baby if it's breached. And I was like, what, what? Like I hadn't caught that at the get go. Like that was not even on my radar. Like I thought like we have babies and you are there because you know, we're paying you to be there kind of thing. Um, yeah. And they're like, no, we can't do that. So I went on this mad rush at 36 weeks to try to turn the baby. Um, I was already under chiropractic care, but we started a new chiropractor who, you know, knew how to turn the baby. And I was doing moxibustion and I had two external cephalic versions. Um, I was doing like headstands. I I could do headstands in my first pregnancy. I could not. But I think about that after having just having, having my third, I'm like, what was I doing? But I could. I was still athletic enough at that point. But I was doing like headstands. Um, but the baby would not turn. She had she had really wedged herself down into my pelvis already. She was Frank Breach. And so then I started calling around to midwives in all the states. I mean, we were in Idaho at that point. So I was calling midwives in Utah and in Oregon, Idaho, um, Wyoming, all the way around us to see if anybody else would um, deliver a breech baby. And okay, so can said, I pause and ask you a yeah. clarifying question? Mm-hmm. Were the midwives not able to deliver your breech baby because of their own like lacking skill set and lack of comfortability, or because I of missed, the I laws in they, the state where you are? I guess they weren't licensed to deliver breech babies, and they had said if they if they hadn't um, if they hadn't done the ultrasound and hadn't confirmed that the baby was breech and then the baby had just presented breech that they would, you know, obviously could have delivered it, but because they knew the baby was breech, then they couldn't, they were not licensed to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's a little ridiculous, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's a familiar yes. scenario that I've heard. Before. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like kicking myself thinking I should have never gotten the ultrasound. Right. Like I'm understanding like, okay, this feels like a game. Um, yeah. But that's where we were. So, Every midwife that I called said, you are the best case scenario. I can't do it, but you're the best case scenario. So finally, we got a hold of um, a hospital in Oregon and they in Portland, and they were starting to train some doctors in breach delivery. And so I qualified to be to, to do this. And so we're like, we're set up. We set all our paperwork in. We thought this is best case scenario. We'll drive to Portland. I'll have a destination birth. It's going to it's going to be great. And we were supposed to leave on a Wednesday, but the Sunday before that I woke up, um, well the night before I had, this was was about 38 and a half weeks. Um, I just felt off all night and I kept chilling. I kept waking up and throwing like my blanket in the dryer, get it all hot and toasty and wrap up in it just didn't feel good. And hadn't been able to like place why I didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. And I was kind of in and out of sleep, but not like lucid enough to pinpoint it. And I woke up in the morning and um, 
started to feel a few contractions. And my husband and I, we'd always go for a morning walk. So we went for a morning walk and about 10 minutes down the road, my water breaks in the very dramatic breaking where it like gushes all over the road, you know, or it's like you hear it pop. Like I heard it pop. <laughs> like that was my water. <laughs> and we're like, oh, we're not, we're not in Portland. Okay. Um, what are we going to do? So we call their midwives and they're like, well, come in and, and let's make sure your water broke, which is kind of funny thing because I'm like, I'm pretty sure my water broke. So, but that's what they did. And they checked me and they said, you're dilated to a six. You're not going to Portland. <gasps> and I was like, oh, oh, okay. So they said, nobody can make you have a C-section. There's an older gal um, midwife there. And she's the one who started this, this midwifery practice. And she just very, like, she looked me in the eye and she was like, nobody can make you have a C-section. So mm-hmm. you can go to the hospital. At this point, having a baby at home by myself was beyond my imagination. Didn't even know that. Sure. So she just said, you can go to the hospital and you can decline a C-section if you want to. And my mom, she was supposed to be coming for the birth. She was actually in Utah being a doula for a previous birth. That baby was born in the middle of the night and she started driving to me. So she's been up all night already. She's coming to now her second birth. So we went home. I mean, I went by the bakery after this. We picked up all my favorite foods because I was like, I'm eating through labor. I went home. I got showered. At this point, the contractions were all where I could be talking through them um, or at least breathing through them. They weren't they weren't more than I could you know, be up and around with. Um, so I, water had broken at 730 and about 1130, I finally got to the hospital and the midwives had called ahead and they said, prepare yourself like you have a gal coming in and she's not going to, she's not going to have a C-section. Um, so they had told them that already. That's and awesome. Th- they were not happy with me. They um, basically sat me down and told me that I was a horrible mother, that I was going to be killing my baby. Um, but here's the beauty of it. I had talked to like 15, 20 midwives. I had been having all these conversations with them and they all said, you are the best case scenario you are the best case scenario. You can do this. You can do this. Mm. You can totally. Over and over, I've had that reinforced. And I had my mom's stories. My mom's saying, I had all my baby yeah. spring breaks. So I'm listening to them thinking, you're ridiculous. I know better. Like, I know better. And so they had all this paperwork. I had to sign uh, in between contractions, you know, super delightful to sign a bunch of paperwork. Basically <laughs> saying, like, I'm, I'm killing my baby, but I'm doing it well. You know, is like basically the premise of the paperwork. Yeah. But after I signed that, the doctor on call, she totally changed her tune. And she said, actually, <laughs> I was trained in breach delivery um, when I first started, like years and years ago. Like God went before me. He yes. provided, it was, she was on call that day. And she wouldn't have told me, though, until I'd signed that paperwork. But then she finally was like, well, now I really can tell you that I know what I'm doing. That's so, amazing. Yes. So amazing. And she was like, I'm giving you a 12-hour window. So you have to have this baby 12 hours after your water broke and you need to be progressing. I mean, she had all this criteria and I was like, okay, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm working with you. I'm going to do everything I can. Um, so as till about, um, let's see, 
two o'clock, maybe two two thirty. I was up walking around. Um, they wanted to have monitors on me, and I took them off and <laughs> left the premises, and they didn't know. So I was I was not about to be a part of anything in their system. And they're like, we want to put an IV in everything they wanted to do. I refused to put on their gown. I was like, I'm leaving my own clothes on. They weren't real pleased with me, but they also there wasn't much that they could do at that point. No, because they could um, just maybe scowl at you from time to time. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, it. exactly. Yeah, they're like, you don't want our nasty gown on you? No, I don't. Um, so my mom got there and she was really helpful with just just kind of you know, her just her presence, really, because I had been kind of counting on her being there. So when she showed up, I was like, oh, hey, my mom's here. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, the worst thing about that labor was just their constant needing to check me for dilation, mm-hmm. which was just horrible. Um, and until my last birth, I didn't realize that that didn't need to be done. And so at that point I had yeah. no idea. And I just kept thinking, this is torture in the middle of what already feels like torture. Um, because I wanted to be up and moving and then I'd have to go lay down. And that was a horrible back labor. I didn't want to be on my back to be checked again. So that was, that was not pleasant. Um, and you and just last, didn't know at that point that you could decline that. It felt like I you just had know. to go along with it. Yep. Yeah, I declined everything yeah. else. I had no idea that I could decline that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Which I, now I think back to myself, like, I should have felt, I mean, I, maybe I sh- I feel like I could have intuitively known that, but I just, I had I had no idea. I thought we needed to know where the baby was, <laughs> which we did. Yeah. You know? Well, and when you're in labor, like your, your brain doesn't work quite the same either, you know? So, mm-hmm. which is one reason having Very a doula true. with you to remind you of things like that is valuable, but yes, yes. cause your brain, it's just, it's, it's not your, your pregnant, your brain on labor is not the same as your brain on a normal day. <laughs> oh, that's, that is the truth. Yes, for sure. Um, so about five o'clock or ish somewhere in there, I really, I hit, I hit transition is what I would call it now looking back, but I couldn't they checked me and I couldn't get back up. Um, so most from that point on, I labored really on my side, um, holding onto the rails of the bed. And I would kind of do what I would call like the running man. Like I would run my legs in place and then I would puke after every contraction I had. So people holding my legs, I had my husband pushing on my back and then we had somebody holding a pan so I could puke after every contraction. And then over and over again. And in my mind, I just remember picturing like that I was climbing this hill and then I come down off the hill and a big part of it is they told me I wasn't allowed to push like no pushing, no pushing because it's a brief baby, no pushing until hmm. we know that your cervix is completely open and there's no little lip. And so yep. the whole labor, everybody's saying, don't push blow. My mom's in my face saying, Oh, blow, blow, keep your voice low, blow, you know, the whole way through. And finally seven 30 ish, um, they checked me again and they said, okay, you're dilated to a 10 and we're going to make you wait 45 minutes. And then they were going to put me in the OR to, to actually push the baby out. Oh, sure. So being fully dilated, they still are like, don't push. Um, I, outside of God, I really have no idea how I, how I did that. Um, did you feel pushy? Um, I don't even think I knew what that felt like. And it didn't have the same pressure. Having pushed out a head, when a head engages, you feel it. I didn't, I never felt the engagement of that little rear end like I did with a head. So there may have, I mean, I'm sure it was right there, 
but I never felt the same kind of engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't feel maybe as pushy as, as a person would have had baby been head down. Sure. Is my guess. And it's also worth noting that it is very possible for somebody to be fully dilated and still not have a pushing urge for a while. Like yeah. the, it can be this like kind of pause and be grateful. Yes. <laughs> I think that's what Wapio calls yes. it. Like, Right, where you're, you're fully dilated, but you're like your body's just taking a breather, and the impulse to push doesn't come for a while. So, who knows what what the reasons were? But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know sometimes I was starting to push, you know, because my mom would even tell me, like she could tell by my voice I was pushing, mm-hmm. um, and she'd tell me to stop. So there must have been a little bit of that. Um, yeah, but not like not like any type of like you just can't even control it, like fetal ejection type thing mm-hmm. like that wasn't there. okay interesting um, yeah so after 45 minutes everybody around me got garbed up in these blue outfits um to go into the operating room and so at that point I had to get off of the bed I was laboring on and climb up they wheeled me into the operating but I had to climb off the bed and get up onto this metal skinny it's, it's an operating table it's not meant to birth on and there were 18 other people in the room I mean the the, the the ridiculousness of this, really. I mean, like, I've had, I've been doing fine the whole time. But we had to go in the operating room. And um, so at that point, finally, the doctor is like, you can push your baby out. Now that you're in the worst position ever, with nothing to hold on to, <laughs> on your back, go ahead and with push With 18 people out. watching you. Yes, because yes, because exactly. you're a unicorn, frankly. And so we need yes. to get all of our residents in here to see this show. It's exactly right. Oh, no, it's exactly right. So I yell at this, like, young like a male nurse next to me, like, hold my leg <laughs> because I had to have somebody like my mom is holding one leg and like somebody else needs to hold the other leg. I like, I feel like I'm out of control flailing around like on this metal, cold metal, you know, flat. Um, and I did, I pushed for at that point. In some ways, I really think that it, there was wisdom for me waiting because when I pushed, she came out. I didn't have to push and push and push. Um, in a matter of minutes and a couple pushes, um, she was out. The The really cool thing is that as she came out, because her little bottom's coming out first, it's closed out all of the meconium. So I could see meconium shooting out um, from <laughs> where I was laying. Um, so it just goes all right out of her. And then it was hands off until she was up to about her armpits and then her legs came down and and they're like, you can push your baby's head out. Um, so pushing felt amazing, horrible and amazing, right? It felt like I was pushing out a loaf of bread because the circumference never changed. I kept just feeling like it was an eternity of the same circumference. And I just pictured in my, you know, I couldn't see it totally. I could kind of start to see it as she got far enough out. But I just was like, I feel like I'm pushing out a loaf of, a loaf of bread um, yeah. is how it felt. And she was vibrant. She was great. There wasn't a problem. Um, and after that, I realized they, so they gave, I didn't even know then, but I found out later, like they gave me Pitocin, never, never asked. There was ever a reason. Like I wasn't bleeding excessively or anything like that. Um, but I, I didn't like it. Like once I knew afterwards that that had happened, that that was upsetting to me because I hadn't wanted anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and would have been fine. I never saw my placenta. In fact, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of it really coming out. You know, like I remember her like telling me that 
pushed at some point. I had baby up on me and I was more kind of in like la la land with my first yeah. baby. Um, but just those afterbirth things that now having had other births are really sacred to me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't like that that was taken from me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I'm yeah. like, oh, that, that, that's a loss. Like, I wish I had, I wish I had seen her placenta. I wish I had, had been more a part of that. And her placenta did go, I still had it encapsulated, but I never, I never saw it. Um, and I just would have liked to have seen it and been aware of that part of the process. Yeah. Um, but as I look back at that birth, I, here's, here's what I realized God did for me. I, God gave me like an insurmountable um, challenge in having to go into a hospital and having to decline everything in being very like staunchly like, no, I'm having this baby naturally. Um, and I rose to the challenge and that's the type of person that I am. And it gave me so much confidence as a new mom of like, I can make my own decisions for my children. I can listen to the Lord and follow him. I don't have to be caught up in some system. Like he gave me like the biggest boost of Hmm. confidence in birthing and in motherhood by giving me that huge challenge. And I, I think back sometimes and think, had I just had a normal home birth for my first baby, I, I might not have left with that, with, with that much of a boost of confidence. And I might have struggled more in labor. I'm very, I'm kind of a rebel at heart. I'm a little bit defiant. Like that's kind of inside me. And so I feel like even some of the pain and labor um, would have felt more crushing for that, especially that first, that first labor where you don't know what it's going to feel like. And it already feels crushing, but I didn't have anything that intensity of like, I'm doing this despite you not wanting me to, I kind of needed that. And that may, maybe sounds yeah. like rebellious or something, but like I, I, my purse, like who I am, like God knows who I am. He knew I needed that. And so I just see his mercy in giving me that and, and having my water break when I wasn't in the right place. You know, I wasn't where I was planning to be, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. That makes so much sense. That's so good. I love that the spirit gave you insight into some of that to be able to look at because you could have looked back at a lot of that birth story and been disappointed or angry, honestly. Yeah. Like you could very easily. Yeah. And there might still be some of that there for sure. But I love that you also were given those insights into mm-hmm. where his goodness was and like the gifts he was giving you in yeah. spite of it, not looking the way that you hoped or planned that it would look. Mm-hmm. And then he knew even more than you did what you, what you really needed <clears throat> yeah. um, and prepared a way for you still. Even with it not being the way you anticipated. Yeah, totally. The right people who knew what they were doing, even in that medical environment that I didn't hope for, um, still still the right people were there. And I left feeling victorious. I really did. Um, Awesome. As a new one, I felt felt victorious and I felt proud of my story um, because I knew what it could have been, right? I knew that I could have just had a C-section and then I... I knew I wouldn't have felt victorious, and I knew that God had something more for me. And I knew that he had put it inside of me to have this baby um, vaginally. And I knew that he had prepared me and, and had given me all these boosts of confidence along the way saying, you can do it. And so mm-hmm. stepping into that thing, I, oh, I, I can do this. And, and God is here with me. Um, so. And I can even do it on a metal operating table with 18 people yes. gawking at me. Like, yes, yes that is victorious. Yes. 
people, they all were coming by my room afterwards and they're like, we've never seen a breach birth. Thank you for letting us see that. And I was like, I wasn't planning on letting anybody see that, but you're welcome. welcome." Amazing. Yeah. Just like you said, it was kind of like, we're we're here for the show. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's literally what was happening. (laughs) Oh, what an initiation into motherhood. That's. That's a remarkable first birth story. And and I also want to just point out for our listeners that they don't know this, being allowed <laughs> to have mm-hmm. one's first baby breach with an yes. untried pelvis is right. especially like unheard of. So yes. you were a unicorn in several dimensions there. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. And yet it I happened. Thought- like you pulled it yes. off. Yeah. Yeah. So for the, I always, whenever somebody's breached, I has breached baby, I just want to like say, you can do this. Like they, they're telling you, you can't, but you can, you can do it. Um, most of it is not much different than having a baby that's head down. There's just a few things that are different, but really most of it is the same. You can do this. So yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. That's right on. Mm-hmm. I'm really encouraged on a total side note to see that there are some really wonderful efforts being made right now to retrain doctors and midwives in the art of delivering breech babies. Um, And I think that that's going a long way to like reduce stigma and fear around it and make it hopefully something that less women have to be sent to an automatic major abdominal surgery simply because of their baby's butt coming before their head. Exactly. So Reteach Breach, are you familiar with them? And Breach Without Borders yep. are two organizations for listeners want to know more yes. um, that are I, doing some remarkable work in that area. I think that second one is the one that was involved with the hospital in Portland. Uh, that oh, okay. One of those, one of those sounded familiar to me. I mean, I don't fully remember, but there was, there was like a separate thing happening at this, at the hospital. And yeah, that sounded familiar. Awesome. That's really cool. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so so how was postpartum month? with that first babe? Like a little bit about your postpartum um, experience. Yeah. She was colicky. And I have read about connections between Pitocin and colic. And I don't know if that's a thing, but that was something that I was like, you know, looking back, I, again, wish that I hadn't had Pitocin. Um, but she was not a real happy baby unless daddy was holding her and um, she was awake a lot. She didn't sleep a lot. Um, I mean, once we got past three, the three month mark, she was bliss, but those first three months were really trying as a new mom. And I think honestly, probably the biggest part was that I was letting go of everything I had done and replacing it with baby. Right. Mm-hmm. By the time yep. the second and the third and you know the other children came along, I had already replaced that, and that that change was not as massive. And so um, I remember many times feeling like very lost in in motherhood. And she was a very vocal little baby. She was awake a lot, and and she was and she was happy sometimes, even when she was awake. But she wanted to be held. She just wasn't this baby who slept. Like she just didn't sleep. And um, I remember trying to go to this Bible study and they, it was a, at a really large church, not our church that my husband pastored at, but it was a very large church. And um, all these, they put me in this group with a bunch of moms with little babies. And I remember walking in and all these moms had babies who, in my perception, they all 
had on like the perfect little outfit with the per- perfect matching diaper bag and the perfect little seat and all the babies are laying in their seats and my daughter is like everywhere she's like gulping when she and like making these loud grunting noises while she's nursing she's not gonna sleep she's gonna burp up I mean and I just remember <laughs> thinking like this is not for me <laughs> we do not we do not fit here um it all felt so cool calm and collected and I just felt anything but that especially as a new mom um but I did love it too I fell I did totally fall in love with it um more than I could have ever imagined and my husband he was the most amazing dad um and she adored him and so when he came home he would hold her and she would finally go to sleep and I would wow. get up and start doing things around the house yeah he had he had the magic touch he really did um, <laughs> he slept on his chest most of her you know most nights for a long time because daddy was holding her she was she was content so that was I think that's yeah. relatively unusual for a baby that young that's really interesting I bet he loved that yeah. Yeah, they have a, they do have a very special, special bond. Mm-hmm. They do. Um, so, and I, I didn't have any depression. I had probably some anxiety um, mm-hmm. that I didn't realize then, but that I dealt with and just hormones and um, yeah. how much your body goes through that I was unprepared for, like kind of those mm-hmm. shifts and how I was going to feel for that birthday. I wasn't really prepared for that. Yeah, which I think is so common. I think with the first baby, to focus yeah. so much on the birth itself and you it just isn't really even on your radar fully that there's like all no. this after yeah <laughs> it's a I whole, know. whole other area I had no to learn idea. And navigate. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so true yeah mm-hmm. yeah you're not 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 weird for that <laughs> no all right so then let's jump forward a little bit to your second pregnancy yeah. um mm-hmm. Did you have another word from the Lord about that one? Or yes. was it just more of a nope. natural, we, like, we did. how did that go? We, we felt like it was time you to did. have another baby. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, both of us, my husband and I both said, I think God's saying it's time. And I had just, like, a couple months before, finally gotten my cycle back as well. But we're like, it's time. We're, we're supposed to be purposeful about this, about this. And we got pregnant. So my daughter was, um, <laughs> I guess she was a little bit. Yeah, she was a little past two years old um, okay. when I got pregnant. And so we again, it's so funny. We again were like, Insur- the hospital covers insurance, so let's go try the hospital. So we did for our first appointment. And again, we we're like, oh, <laughs> this is awful. What are we doing? We hate this. Um, <laughs> like, what What were we thinking? That's, oh my that's kind of funny. <laughs> I know. I think part of it was that we had just, we had, we had succumbed, we had done the hospital birth and we had still, I'd still had my baby naturally. So I'm like, I can defy them again. I can do this. Oh, sure. Like, oh, this is an awful appointment. I hated everything about the appointment. I can't even handle going back again. Um, but it is funny that we put ourselves through that. So <laughs> we did. Um, but we found some midwives. And so I thought, okay, we're going to try this again. I'm going to find some midwives that I like. And um, I, I liked them. Um, and so we were planning to have a home birth and we lived about, we lived about 45 minutes from the, from the birth center when they're, where they're coming from. But I didn't think that would be any problem. So my first birth, it was 12 hours, okay. almost exactly. And so we thought, you know, we'll be fine. Um, which is fast for our first birth as well. So yeah, um, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that at, the, at that time. So the plan again was to have my mom come and then 
I had asked my dad to come as well because my dad has always been so, he cares so much about birth. He always listens to my mom's stories. He listens to all of my sisters, you know, older sisters having their babies. He cares about it so much. And we are naming my son after him. And so I really mm -hmm. wanted him there. And I'm so glad that he was there. That was really special to me. I know for some people that might seem weird or strange, but for me, it was such an amazing blessing for him to get to be a part of it because he cares so deeply about it. It's but beautiful. Never been invited into that environment, and he would never impose himself to be a part of it unless yeah. he was invited. Um, so that was really special for him to have, you know, see his namesake be born. Um, so we knew we found out we were having a little boy. So we did the normal things. I think we did an ultrasound, you know, an earlier ultrasound and the ultrasound at 20 ish weeks, and then um, probably another one to make sure he wasn't breached. Um, and my pregnancy went well. Um, I had him at 40 plus 40 weeks plus four days, but I felt like I was very overdue and I didn't need to feel like that, but I did because I, at about 37 weeks, I really thought I was going to have him. I was having early oh. labor signs and contractions. And I really thought, oh, this is happening any day now. And I had my daughter early. So I just thought that was happening. So then it felt like this very, like, you know, three weeks of, of waiting um, and that made it feel long at the end. It really wasn't, but it felt that way. So I was trying to do everything madly to um, get this baby to come. You know, I was eating the spicy food and I was, you know, whatever random ridiculous thing is out there, <laughs> I was doing it. Again, I had not, I had not gotten to the place in my understanding of birth to understand that that doesn't matter. The baby's going to come and baby's going to come. Um, so that's what I was spending my time doing. Um, and my parents, they came out. Um, so they were there and I was frustrated with them because they were in my space and I just wanted to have a baby and not have them still be in my space. And so um, it just was kind of like, okay, let's just do this. Everybody's here waiting. Let's do this. And so finally, um, he did come. So I had this conversation with God and I just said, God, I, I really don't want to have a birth at night. I really don't, I don't do well at night. I, I tend to need my, like night, I want to sleep. Like I don't like to stay up late at night. I like waking up early in the morning, but I don't like staying up late. So I said, God, could he please, could this baby please come after I've had my breakfast and my time alone with you? I'd always have devotions in the morning. And then my husband and I would go for a walk with our little girl. And so I was like, God, could, could we do, could we have our normal morning routine before I go into labor? And that had just been my prayer over and over again. Um, and God was so good because that, that is what happened. Um, wow. So about, yeah, probably, I don't know, nine o'clock in the morning-ish, we finally got out of the house. It was a Saturday to go for a walk. And I started feeling some contractions. And, but nothing major, just like, just like hinges, like hardly anything where I was like, maybe, but that, then maybe not. And nothing that even really stopped me in my tracks. I just was like, oh, that's kind of, there's a little something there. So we came home and um, I got a shower and I talked to the midwives off and on about like, can I check and see if I'm dilated at home and things like that. And they had kind of explained it to me because they were a drive away. And so I remember in the shower, I was like, I'm just going to check and see if I'm dilated. And I remember checking and there was no cervix and there was just a bag of waters in my baby's head. No way. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I was like, oh, there's, there is no cervix. So that's all I can feel is this squishy bag of waters and my baby's head. 
And so contraptions started to hit almost, it's almost like as if that triggered it. I don't even know, but they started very, yeah. yeah, very shortly after that. And they, I tracked my first one. Like I was like, okay, that's this contraction. And I, I told my mom, but I'm like, don't, cause she was there with me again. You know, let's not, let's not worry about it. This could be hours and hours. And then my next one hit, like, you know, I don't even know, two minutes later. And she was like, let's track a couple Audrey and so we just kind of watched the clock and she was like I think you should call your midwives I was like yeah I I think so too and um looking back I wish I had had my daughter with me she was two well almost three at the time but I again did not even consider the fact that she could have been there so she Mm -hmm. a friend came and and picked her up and another prayer had been like god I don't want her to have to stay overnight anywhere I want her to be with us so I planned for her to go with a friend, um, but I really didn't want her to have to be anywhere overnight because she had never been away from us. And so, um, again, God was very, he was so, he was so faithful. So once the contraction started, I was in the kitchen. I was trying to eat some lunch before, like they really started. I mean, it was probably 15 minutes after I tracked my first one and they were just back to back to back to back to back. They never stopped. There was no let up. I was feeling very panicky, um, like, like have, I, have I completely lost my touch? I just labored mm. for hours with my last baby, and I was fine. But I had there were no breaks. They were just one on top of another, um, where one wouldn't even stop, and another one would hit. And I kept thinking, like, when is it going to come back down? And then it wouldn't. And um, I, I'm a, I've run some ultra marathons, and my, I was like, I need to put headphones on. Like, I need music. Like, I need to block out this pain. And so I put my headphones on and I found a song that I just played on repeat. And it was kind of the only thing that I held on to because it was consistent. Like it would, the melody would build and then it would crash and then it would fall down. You know, like it it had a rhythm to it because my contractions had no rhythm. They were just crazy everywhere. And I, I had my eyes closed and I was swaying holding on to the kitchen counter. Like I never, I never left that position. And here's something that's kind of cool. Um, before I had, before I had my baby, um, I remember mopping the kitchen and thinking I would really, and I was listening to music and I remember thinking, this is kind of, this feels good. Like this is where I'd like to have my baby. Like this feels right. And, and then I was hyper concerned with how <laughs> clean our kitchen floor was too. Not even kind of putting the two together, but I was like, I hated my kitchen floor getting dirty during the end of this pregnancy because I never, I ended up not leaving that position. So (laughs) they were just back to back to back to back to back. And, um, I was in my, I couldn't talk. I couldn't vocalize anything. I couldn't hear anybody because I had my headphones in and nobody had checked me other than myself. So I didn't know how anything was, you know, I, I really was felt very disconnected after a birth where they were constantly checking me and I knew all, you know, how far I would progress, yada, yada. I just remember feeling lost in it and feeling mm. very comforted by God. Like God is mm. here and nobody else. And just almost like I could like crawl up and curl up, curl up in his lap um, in the middle of all of it. And there was, there was nothing else I could hold on to. It was very um, so out of control. So this, this entire labor was just two and a half hours. So it was just out of control. The midwives 
they came about 15 minutes before he was born. And at one point, a contraction just like threw me to the ground. My, my legs just went out underneath me. So I was down on my hands and my knees. And I wasn't really aware of them being there. At one point, I remember feeling a Doppler on my stomach, but my eyes were still closed. Um, and then my midwife, like loud enough for me to hear, she was like, you need to take your shorts off. And um, I remember thinking like, why didn't you tell me sooner? Like, I can't, I can't, I can hardly move. You know, you're like, you get, you're frozen. I'm like, I can't, I can't move. Like, what? Um, so I managed to like get my shorts on, but I still felt like, I don't know where I'm at. Nobody's, nobody's telling me anything. Nobody's saying don't push. Like, that's all I heard in my last labor was don't push. And right. my mom, um, and they were the kind of, well, they were the kind of, you know, I was, this was transition and just continuing to build. Um, my water broke and that finally, probably, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe 10 minutes before baby was born. And that was like a little bit of relief. Um, but I still felt like, I don't know when this is happening. I felt so disconnected to the timing. And my mom leaned over in my ear and said, your baby's almost here. And she could just tell by, by my voice. Um, and just, you know, the more grunty, growly kind of sound. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try doing a little test push in my head. Like I felt so lost. I'm like, I'm going to try pushing. And if nobody yells at me to stop, then I'm going to try pushing. And so I tried pushing and nobody told me to, told me to stop. And I remember feeling his head kind of engaged. Like, oh, that's something. Oh, okay, we're there. And I pushed him out probably two or three pushes as well. Just big pushes, which I tore a little bit probably because I was like just dire like I need to get this baby out of me um my contractions it felt like a harder birth honestly because it was so back to back to back so he came out in like two pushes and the midwives caught him which this is another thing I like I wish I wish I had caught him I wish my husband mm -hmm. caught him I wish that at, somehow I again I didn't even know that I could catch him yeah. And my husband didn't know that he could catch him. He, it was kind of like we were paying them to come to do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And now I'm like, that's not the case. So, um, but he was, he was healthy. He was vibrant. Um, my parents both were there. And again, I felt disconnected from the placenta. I remember asking mm. to look at it. Um, but I would have loved to have looked at it more. It felt like it was, I remember feeling like it was theirs and they were just allowing me to look at it. I was like, oh, wait, can I, can mm. I look at it? Um, mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't even remember how long it was after I had him to when the placenta came out. Like I felt so disconnected. And I, and I also remember feeling like I needed to almost um, be like, oh, hi, you're here in my house because I hadn't seen them when they came in. So sure. as soon as my baby was born, like the, um, hostess in me like wanted to like say hi to them and like be mm -hmm. like somehow like a hostess which like, that was another thing afterwards in my as you think back over your birth I think you know well as you'll hear my third birth I didn't have anybody there I was like I don't I wish they hadn't been there you know I I wish I had just had all of my attention on my little baby boy um yeah, yeah. So it was it was very a really smooth birth it was just it was literally like one long contraction is kind of how it felt in my head. Like it never. Yeah. Never yeah. I can see why it would be hard to stay present and connected. 
in those circumstances. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, mine was, my first was 40 hours and my second was five. And I, I remember I I couldn't, it's like, I couldn't integrate fast enough that it was happening that fast. Right. Like, (laughs) cause you're expecting mentally longer and then, yes. Yeah, and yours just went so fast, and it seems like as soon as contractions started, they were transition contractions. Like they, yeah, that's how you didn't have like the lead up to help you, Mm-mm. like mentally catch up with your body, and yeah. yeah, yeah. So even though it was very smooth, I can see how there would be some like, um, I don't know what the right word would be, but kind of a, like just a, kind of a bummer that you maybe weren't able to be as present to it as you would have liked to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't even know that like precipitous labor was a thing. Um, mm-hmm. And that, you know, there's so many things now that I feel like I've learned about. I feel like, oh, if I had, I known, maybe I would have read up on that and understood like mm-hmm. it, this could happen. And, and maybe this is a way to be mentally prepared. Um, I had, I had no idea that babies came that fast. Um, I just hadn't immersed myself in the world of birth outside of mm-hmm. knowing that, I wanted to do it at home, you know, and not have any other interference. Um, so after, after those babies, I did do that, but, um, mm-hmm. at that point I had it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I th- and I think, again, I don't think you're weird there. I think that often the first thing we think about when we're choosing home birth is I need a different location than the hospital, um, mm-hmm. because I need to avoid certain things that happen at the hospital and maybe leave it there and mm-hmm. and don't necessarily realize that there are more and more layers to learn about yeah. and unpack and prepare for um yeah which is normal and yeah yeah so, so much <laughs> and, more like so much more so much more yeah, yeah. like postpartum like we talked about but also like yeah. the different kinds of birth and um yeah mm-hmm. so yeah yeah wow I would say that, what stands out in that one is just with God is that, um, I felt like I felt so comforted by God. And then there's a verse, um, second Corinthians, um, one, three through four, it says, God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. And so I felt like I, God comforted me, but the moment this baby comes out, he's crying. And then I then in turn, pick him up and comfort him. And it just felt like this beautiful transition of God feeling so lost that God carrying me through. And then here, and then he's like, here's your baby. Now it's your turn. Like, I just comforted you. Now it's your mm-hmm. turn. And that felt really, really beautiful um, to me for him to. Yeah. He's just such, he's such a good God. And in those moments, yeah. there's nowhere else to turn. Like, there's not. Only, it's like, only God. Yeah. You had a pretty intimate experience with him while you're leaning over that kitchen counter. Like, you didn't even have capacity yeah. to let in any other human. <laughs> so it was no. just you and God. Yeah. And, it's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also struck by that story about how the, the, in the little things, the ways that he saw you, like your mm-hmm. somewhat frivolous request that maybe you could have the baby after breakfast and your walk, you know, like, yeah. does that matter in any ultimate sense? No, no but, but does he God. see you and want to yes. give you things that delight your heart? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, or the kitchen, even the kitchen location. <laughs> yeah. That like you would have this, not even quite a prayer, but this sort of like just desire in your heart that was fleeting and almost maybe unnoticeable that we kind of could yeah. have a baby right here. Yeah. <laughs> there you were. <laughs> there I was. Yes. He's yeah. so attentive. So amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really thought I would be in a bed because that's where I'd had my 
first grade, you know, like in my, in my, 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 my like coherent mind was like, well, yeah, make sure the bed's ready, you know? Um, mm. So, but I have learned that like, I don't, I don't like the thought of a water birth. I like things that are cold and firm and hard to hold on to. And, um, and that's that understanding that about myself has served me well. Um, and like yeah. being on like hard, hard, you know, cold kitchen floor was exactly what I wanted. Like it felt firm and secure and I don't, I don't like soft and cushy around me. Uh, oh that. yeah. So that's, that's so interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. <clears throat> cool. Okay. What was your postpartum like with this little guy? Um, I went through a lot of postpartum anxiety, ended up going through some counseling for it and doing some things that like working with the naturopath that balanced my hormones. But I think all of a sudden having two babies, um, that was, it, it terrified me, honestly, to have one baby here and not be able to control the other one because I was holding this one. Um, it was really, that was really hard for me, but I also knew that there was the chance that postpartum problems happened. And so I did, I went and, um, started talking to a counselor and kind of working through like the mental side of it and working to balance my body. Um, so I'm glad that I had the awareness that that was like a problem and didn't just suffer through it. It still was hard, but it was something that I went and kind of got help for. Um, as soon as I noticed that this was something that was feeling kind of crushing in my life. Um, Physically, I, I bounced back fine, but it was just that mental side of it yep. that really took a toll for a while. Yeah. Good for you for like reaching out for help sooner than later. That's, mm -hmm. I don't feel like I hear that often enough. Well, like, oh, it'll wait. I just wait it out. It'll go away or it's not that bad. You know? Yeah. I love that you got yeah. help right away. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am too, because yeah, it could have, it could have gone a lot longer. Had I not and, and been much harder. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but he was a wonderful little boy and he is a runner. He is fast. He is wild and crazy. Just like my labor. Um, <laughs> I should have seen that coming. So everything about him is speedy. I mean, he runs everywhere he goes. He never doesn't run. Like everything is running. <laughs> so um, he's, he's so much fun. Yeah. His, his birth foreshadowed his temperament. Yeah, it totally did. It totally did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing how that happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then you mentioned at the beginning that after him, you were now at this point where you like wanted more babies. It was no longer yeah. like a cold obedience. It was like, I want more. But then you yes. went through a season of, of not being able to conceive. For, yeah. Did you say five years? Yeah. For five. Yeah. Almost, almost five years. Um, yeah, we really, about a year after he was born, um, we were ready for more children and like, God, we're ready anytime and trying in month after month, getting, you know, a negative pregnancy test. Um, we also, a few years before that, we had had friends who did foster care and we were like, we could never do this. We like told each other, you know, we could never do this. And then God, in that season, he really started to work on both of our hearts, um, separately that's how God works. And I love it because it's such confirmation when God tells two, you know, a husband and wife tells them the same thing separately. Oh, it's just beautiful to me. Um, but I came to my husband and said, I've, I've been thinking a lot about doing foster care for, for babies. Like, I feel like we're really good at caring for babies. And we were, we had, I, I just always felt like that. Like, like this feels so 
good and natural, even in the, in the middle of anxiety, it just felt, I felt, I felt natural as a mom, mm-hmm. um, especially caring for those little tiny babies. And um, my husband was like, I've been thinking the same thing. Um, I think we need to pursue it. So we did pursue that and we actually pursued it through a Native American tribe that's um, in our area. And that was totally God-led as well. Um, and that's, so it's separate from the state. They have their own separate CPS system. Oh, okay. Um, so they're not children that can ever be adopted because they want to keep them a part of the tribe. But um, a lot of them go into what's called guardianship, where you become their permanent guardian until they're 18 and they graduate from the system. Um, okay. And they were in need of people for, for babies. Um, it's very common that they have babies that are brought in. You know, mom is on drugs. Drugs are incredibly prevalent. Um, and so not very. So here's the amazing thing is after I had had the first two, I told my husband, there's a, I, I really feel like there's another baby. Like God has told me there's another baby. And in my mind, I feel like God has shown me that this baby has dark curly hair. And, um, so in my mind, I was like, am I, we both have a little bit of dark hair on both sides of the family, but not much. And I thought this would be crazy to have a dark haired baby. I have two little blondies, but you know, I feel like that's what's going to (laughs) happen. Well, our first little foster baby that we got was a little boy in my head. I was picturing a girl because I I felt like God had shown me that it was, I just saw this head of curly hair. And so in my mind, I just thought girl. Um, but we had a little boy with curly hair. And he has ended up being the one who we have, we have um, guardianship of him. So that was a process, but he is, he is permanently our child, at least until he's 18. And then he gets to decide for himself. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was just this beautiful, like foreshadowing of like, oh, wait, oh, that's what you're saying, God. I mean, I had (laughs) interpreted differently, but that's what you're saying. And I love it. We had a few others come through our care as well that didn't stay with us. And then um, about, well, about two years into trying, God told me, you're going to have another baby. Um, but he didn't say when, but you are going to have another one. And I felt that confirmation so clearly. And so then I just kept saying, well, but when, but when God, when, like I'm getting older. I mean, I'm 39 now. And I just kept thinking, God, it's gotta be, it needs to be soon. Um, this is not going to, I'm not going to be a spring chicken forever. And this, well, a year ago in the summer, I kind of just went through this season of just pleading with God. I had 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 one miscarriage early on and I'd had a couple of um, chemical pregnancies. And I just went through the season of just pleading with him. Please, God, please give me a beat. Please, 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 you know, just pouring out my heart to him, praying, praying, praying. And um, God, he always speaks to me very clearly. And sometimes I feel funny about that, but he does. Um, cause I feel like I sound like I'm crazy, but I'm not, but God, he said, you're going to be pregnant in 31 days. And I looked at my calendar and it was exactly when I was ovulating. And I was like, okay, this is it. And sure enough, I was again. Was, so that's how I know it's God, right? Because it's, it, it what God says happens. And, um, so from the beginning, it was this, like, I told you this. And I was faithful. And um, I had learned so much about birth since my my first two. And I already knew that I wanted something different. 
I wasn't quite sure what, but I just kept saying, God, what do you, what do you want? And I hadn't, I had said that maybe somewhat in the other birds, but not as completely. And I kept just asking God, what do you, what do you want me to do? What, what do you want me to do? And people would say, well, you know, are you going to work with the same midwives and ask me about it? And I was like, jokingly, I kept saying, oh, I think I'm just going to have this baby at home by myself. And I, at that point I was kind of just, it was kind of in jest, but it was, it was in my heart. Uh, mm-hmm. I really did want that. That really was a desire of my heart. And God told me, I want you to take full responsibility of your baby and of your birth and your body. Um, and so I would, so I was on this path. So, you know, to not, I wasn't having any prenatal care. I did go to a pregnancy resource center to get that initial ultrasound um, after miscarriage and chemical pregnancies. I felt like I want to actually know that this is, there's really a baby there. Completely um, and they, yeah. they were actually the ones who had confirmed my miscarriage. So they were familiar with my story and they were, they're wonderful. Um, they were a perfect place to go. They prayed with me and they were so excited mm-hmm. for me. Um, it was beautiful. So I would totally say like, they're the place to go if you're a mom and you need that confirming ultrasound and you yeah. don't have to pay for it. Like they're, they're amazing. Um, so, they celebrate yeah. life. It's like they never bad news it. that there's a baby at the yes. pregnancy resource center, right? Yes. <laughs> yes they're amazing. Yeah. Yes. Just the sweetest ladies there. Um, felt so safe, so cared for as opposed to walking into, you know, a lab and getting an ultrasound. Um, so, so the outside of that, I wasn't having any other care. And there were times when I would feel like maybe I should be like searching out a new midwife, or maybe I should be finding a doula, or maybe I should be doing this. And every time I did it, God was like, that, that would be, that would be disobedience though, because I've already told you to take, to take complete responsibility. And so, um, you're not, you're not trusting, like take complete responsibility. And so I took that very seriously more than I have in my other pregnancies of how I took care of myself and the supplements and starting to learn about birth. I mean, I just saturated myself in learning about birth. And, um, I kind of wrote this in it, in the email I wrote to you, but I kept going to these places to look for, you know, um, resources about birth and they were all just they were saturated with new age perspective and I would listen to these stories where where I could see how God's hand worked in a situation and they would chalk it up to something else and it was mm-hmm. like over and over again and I was like no but that's God wait you gave the wrong person credit no that's God mm-hmm. no that's and I wanted to like yell into these podcasts and these things I was listening to and reading and say no, that's God. That's God. That's God. And you're not seeing it and you're not giving him credit. Um, that felt frustrating to me. And I kept telling my husband, like, I feel like I'm the only person out here who loves Jesus and wants to have their baby by themselves at home. Like, where are these people? And I was so blessed when I came across what you do, Brooke, towards the end of my pregnancy, because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not the only one. Um, it's such a good yeah, feeling it, it was such a good feeling yes it was such a good feeling um and I what I was pretty vague this pregnancy about what I was doing um fear is so contagious and I knew in order to stay in a place of trusting God wholeheartedly with this baby that inviting fear in was not the right thing to do and so telling somebody you know oh I'm just gonna have this baby at home by myself was not going to be that was going to be a recipe for them then putting their fear onto me and all of their concerns and what if. And 
I was wrestling through those myself with God, but I didn't need anybody extra doing that. So um, there were just a, just a small handful of people that knew our full plans. Um, nobody else needs to know your birth plans either. Like, I think sometimes we feel like we need to share those things. So just to anybody who's feeling that pressure, that can be sacred. That can be between you and your spouse and God, and that's okay um, to not share it until God says to share it. You're not, um, I think you can feel like, oh, am I, you know, am I being manipulative? Am I being deceitful? Am I, you know, those type of things. No, you're not. You're protecting your baby. Um, just like we see in the Bible of the women who um, protected their babies, like Moses, he was protected by his, his mom. Um, there's a time and a place to be protective of how you're going to be caring for your children. So I know that's a total like rabbit track, but I feel like it's well said. important yeah. to I'm say. glad you said it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I was very protective of, of my plans, um, although I was praying through them more than I had ever prayed through anything um, outside of just conceiving this baby. Like, really, um, God, lead me, guide me, show me. Um, and I felt really confident and the most at peace I've ever felt going into um, having a baby. And I asked my mom to come again. Again, she's a, she's a doula, but I told her very clearly, like, you're not coming to be my doula you're coming to be a grandma. You're coming to help me with my other kiddos because at this point I had four other little ones running around and, and I need, I need an extra set of hands. You know, you know, birth. Um, this, so this will not be new to you, but you're not coming to be my doula. And she was, it was a good clarifying conversation to have and she was okay with it um, because I really wanted to be able to feel it all. Um, go through it all myself with, with God's leading and not have these outside people saying, do this, do that, push, you know, let me check you. Let me do this. Um, I wanted, I wanted to leave this birth feeling no regrets about any of that because there were pieces of my other births that I felt like I'd missed out on and I wanted to mm-hmm. fully go through it all. So um, this little boy, um, he, I, we did not know he was a boy. I, never really felt any clarity about you know gender at all until until like a week before I was like I'm pretty sure it's a girl well it wasn't but it's just funny that I was like well maybe it's a girl um it was not a girl it was a little boy but we didn't know that but it was I kept feeling like he was so strong like I just like this is a strong baby like I can just tell this is a really strong baby um I'd also just prayed God please help me to not have any bleeding in this pregnancy after having miscarriage and chemical pregnancies and I had dealt with some endometriosis in that time period as well I had just had a lot of bleeding and I didn't want to be in a place of fear of like oh do I need to go in oh is this this okay I did not see a drop of blood until he was born and that was that was God I mean that was totally God because I've had spotting off and on in pregnancies um and I had none at all so that was just amazing to me again god just is so good um and uh let's see here oh i wrote a verse down that i wanted to read because it goes along with this but when god told me i was going to have another baby the verse that he gave me was from ephesians 3:20. it says now to him who is able to do more than we can ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be the glory and so this pregnancy is like it's all it's all for god's glory um all these stories are but i feel like this one was really where I just saw that fully played out that when I 
when I trust God wholeheartedly and I follow him, he gets the glory. Um, so I wanted to make sure to say that because that was so that was really important to me in this in this labor. Um, so let's see. Labor starting. Um, this this little guy, he came at 40 weeks and four days as well, just as my son before him did. And I had had just what I felt like were a few little contractions. Like it was like 1030 in the morning. I'd had a breakdown earlier that morning of just feeling like this baby's never coming and pleading with God, please, I'm ready for this baby. You know, we it's so easy to get to that breaking point at the end where you're just like, I am done. I'm ready to have this baby. And um, and I felt like this, this could be the day. And I sure enough, it was. So I started having a few little contractions. But we were heading to the chiropractor to get adjusted. And so I said, well, if these pick up, we'll turn around and come home. If they don't, we will just keep going on to the chiropractor. And after having having a two and a half hour labor, I felt like anything was possible. Like I was like, is this baby just going to fall out of me in 15 minutes? Or am I going to have a long labor? You know, it's already my third birth. So it's totally like we have no idea what's happening. Wild card. Um, so I was really kind of prepared for everything. And whenever I'd go somewhere, I would think like, should I bring birth supplies? Like I had had a dream that I had the baby by the side of the road. Um, I'd had a dream that I'd have the baby in the shower in the middle of the night and nobody knew. So like I was like aware wow. that this baby could come fast. Um, and I don't I didn't know if I really wanted it to come that fast because I kind of wanted to be able to enjoy it as well. I mean, enjoy it said loosely because obviously birth <laughs> is hard, but I wanted to fully absorb all of it. Yeah. So we got about 10 miles down the road and I just, out of curiosity, pulled up a um, tracking app on my phone just to kind of see what my contractions were doing. And I was like, these are, these are very consistent and I don't think we should go to the chiropractor. Like, I think that these are, these are leading to something. Um, so we turned around and came home and my um, this time for my kids to have lunch and naps. And so kind of helped with that in between breathing through contractions. They were not like at a point where I couldn't just stop and breathe through them. And then I had about four to five minutes between um, the contractions. So funny on my app on the phone, it kept saying, go to the hospital, go to the hospital. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, <laughs> no, not going to go. It's <laughs> not the plan. <laughs> yeah. It just kills me that that automatically would come up because they were like, they were tracked, you know, so they, oh, it's time to go. Um, and then I kind of just settled down in the living room. My little ones were down for naps and I was talking with my older kids and they were, they were so excited and they were so prepared. We'd watched so many birth videos and they were like all about it. So like, you know, asking me all the questions about how I'm progressing and um, they were so cute. And so I was, you know, kind of stretching and doing some like some lunges and just kind of trying to move and, and keep things going. But things were slowing down. And I felt like, you know, I, I need to go walk. I really do not want to have a long drawn out labor, but I, I feel like I need to get walking to kind of keep these moving. And so my husband and I went out and walked and we probably walked for an hour and a half. And my goal was really like, I'm going to walk until I can't, until I can't walk until I need to be inside because I'm feeling vocal and like I need to not be walking. And yep. so that's exactly what we did. Um, I'm sure the neighbors saw us go past, you know, multiple times and like, you know, I would have to stop kind of with a contraction and go through it and then I could resume my walking. Um, and then I was starting to feel like I needed to be vocal 
and like, okay, it's time to get inside. So this was probably 2.30-ish, um, 2.30-ish, somewhere in there. I've, I feel like I've lost track of all my time between multiple births. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went inside and I had envisioned having this baby in my bathroom and my husband, my, like the master bathroom. Um, I have pictures of all my pregnancies and of my two other births in that bathroom. And I had bought this uh-huh. special rug that I really loved that I was like, this would be the perfect thing to like, it's, it's soft, but it's washable. Like, yeah. this would be a great thing to you. Like, so in my mind, that's how I had envisioned it. So I brought my, um, at a birth playlist that I had planned out. So I had my birth playlist and I had some, you know, some food and some water. And I was, in, and I wanted to, I knew I wanted to stand up again and like have something to hold on to like I had with my previous um, labor. So I was just standing in the bathroom, holding on to the bathroom counter, um, swaying, moving, singing through the songs when I could, mm. and then moaning through contractions. Um, and my kids were, they had woken up from naps, so they are coming back and forth from watching a show to coming in and watching me. It's funny, afterwards, they're like, um, you said yes to everything we asked you in labor, Mom. And I was like, yes, I did. Like they had like, like multiple screens going, like every screen in the house was like, they're like holding a phone and watching the TV and eating snacks. I mean, like I do not say yes to things that much. Um, and I was like, yeah, you guys got it pretty good. So they were just back, back and forth, um, you know, seeing what had happened, you know, what was, how was mom progressing? Okay, wait, nothing's happening. Let's go back and watch the show. And my husband was right there with me and I, he was really more, hands-on in the first two I had a lot of back labor and wanted him pushing mm. me back and I really didn't want him touching me but I just wanted him there yeah. with me so he was just he was just there with me um and I started to feel like my legs were getting tired and I needed to like sit down in between contractions and so we brought in a birthing ball just to sit on in between contractions because I felt better standing up during the contraction and after my first time of kind of sitting on the ball and standing up my water broke pretty dramatically all over the floor um and that big kind of like gush and my little two-year-old he was in there and he saw it happen it, and it terrified him because after oh. that contraction hit and it was like the first contraction that was you know so strong that I was incredibly vocal like yelled through it and he was he was crying and scared poor little Bye. thing and so but God was so gracious I had this really long break after that contraction where I was able to stop and Say, it's okay buddy like this is what happened I mean he he knew but he's still just too um yeah and like comfort him and then be like okay go go watch the show like he was totally yeah. fine but he was like oh my goodness what just happened <laughs> like mom hey, uh, yeah so and after that 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 I mean that labor kicked in like right like then it was the contractions that I was getting vocal through and um probably just a few more and I was down on my hands and knees on the floor and was getting to the point where I was like I don't know if I can do this much longer like they're starting to feel Mm -hmm. like that and kept wanting to say that but kept thinking I can't say that because I don't want to say it too soon right like don't say that until it's actually the end and my mom she was she's not supposed to be my doula but she still kept saying um Keep your voice low, Audrey. Keep your voice low. Keep your voice low. And she I can't was help like, herself. shut up. Yeah, she can't help herself. I was like, shut up, mom. And the great thing is like, 
we have that relationship where it wasn't like somebody outside of my family telling me to do that. It was my mom. And so I was totally comfortable being like, be quiet, like knock it off. <laughs> and so she definitely did not knock it off. <laughs> she kept right on. Um, so I, I trying to think of what happened. So I, a few times I was like, I'm just going to give a little test push to kind of like see if I can feel anything engaging. And I wasn't feeling anything, like nothing, like nothing, nothing. And I was starting to feel a little panicky and, and out of control. And so I had this conversation with God and I was like, God, you have, like, I need your help. I need your help to calm down. I don't want to be shrieking through these. Um, I want to be breathing my baby out. I don't want to tear. I want to be like calm, cool, and collected when this baby comes out because it's me. Like I'm the one who's, who's here doing it. I don't, I don't have other people like God, I, I need your help. And he, he totally, he gave me the help that I needed because mm -hmm. I stopped screaming. I mean, I, it still felt the same, but I stopped screaming and I was able to just be breathing through contractions. Wow. Um, my mom said she thought my contractions had totally stopped. She was like, I thought that they, they just completely stopped. I couldn't tell at all that you were having contractions. And in that calmness of breathing through those contractions, I felt, I felt his head coming down like fast. Mm. And so I put my hand down, I was down on my hands and my knees and, and like supported it as it came out. So like almost, so it couldn't rush out and breathe his head out. And mm. so I remember I could feel his little ear. Um, my hand was on his head and I could feel an ear on one side and I could feel him moving inside of me. So I felt, I felt so calm because I could feel him moving. I was like, okay, he's totally okay. And everybody, they were saying, they were talking about him, but I couldn't even like make sense of what they were saying. I'm like, oh, you know, look at him, look at him, you know, excited. And in my mind, I kept waiting to feel him rotate. I was like, okay, he needs, he needs to rotate some. Like that was my, my thinking after watching so many birds and nothing, he wasn't rotating. He just was there. <laughs> and so I I was like, okay, I think I should try pushing again. And so I tried pushing and there was nothing to push. Like I couldn't, it felt like there was a complete disconnect between my body and this baby, like no pushing was possible. And so I just waited for my next contraction. And then I don't even know if I pushed or if he just shot out by himself, but he just flew out in that next contraction. And I scooped him up um, on my chest. He, was, he had a shorter cord, so he was really more up onto my belly. And he was vibrant. In fact, the moment he, I pulled him up, he grabbed my collar on my shirt and like held on to it. And I had to like unpry his little fingers to lean him back to make sure that like his airways were open and there was no anything in his mouth or anything to make sure he was okay. Um, he yeah. was so vibrant and strong from the get go. Um, and my daughter, probably the most beautiful part about it is she was, she's seven. She was almost eight at the time. Um, and she was behind me just crying, like, Mommy, you did it, you did it, you're so strong. And just the fact that she, at that age, got to see that. And yeah. her whole perception of, of motherhood and women and our bodies and why our bodies are the way they are and how God created us, it's all formed by her seeing that. And absolutely, like, you're so strong, you did it. And she's just bawling, just out of tears of joy uh, from watching it happen. Um, oh, so love that so, she got to see that. Yeah, it was amazing. It matters so much. Yes. I, I've mm -hmm. often thought that so many problems in our culture about, I mean, things between sexuality and body image and 
I, I struggled with an eating disorder in college and early marriage. Um, all of these things, these it's like a disconnect between how God created us and what we're supposed to use our bodies for and how it's it God's design. And if, if children only watch their mother's birth babies at home, how much would be changed even by that and understanding like this is, this is what a woman's body is for. And this is the purpose. And, yeah. and this is what it looks like when, when God lets life come into the world. And like, I don't know, I just feel like it would solve so many problems. Mm-hmm. If I have thought about that as well. Have babies yeah. at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, let's see. I felt shaky um, in that moment. Um, I felt kind of disconnected, like just trying to breathe and catch my breath. And I had horrible, horrible contractions afterwards that were, I felt like almost horrible mm. during birth. They were, they were awful. And I was just trying to like take a moment to like, look at my baby and breathe and be like, I did it, but I couldn't even hardly do that because of these contractions. Wow. And so I kept feeling like I need to, I need to get this placenta out. And so I tried sitting on the toilet, didn't come out. And, um, I felt a little bit, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't settle in. I couldn't even hardly do anything other than just like try to breathe through the next contraction. Um, so probably 45 minutes ish after he was born, I finally laid down on the bed uh, with him, but I still just couldn't quite get settled. And he was, I think, starting to nurse maybe, but he could hardly get up to my chest because it was a shorter cord. Oh, um, yeah. I finally was like, this has got to come out. Like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and I squatted over a bowl and I remember feeling up inside of myself and feeling it right at the bottom of my, my cervix. Like, I could feel it right there, the placenta. And so I pushed and I did a little pull on the umbilical cord and it, it came right out. Um, and I felt okay. better, but I still had, I still had lots of contractions. Afterbirth pains were just, they were the strongest with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a moment of panic and having to trust God in seeing the amount of blood. Um, because my other births, everybody else dealt with it. Like the midwives, they took the tuck pads and moved them when I got up to use the restroom. They're the ones who did all of that. Yeah. I didn't see it. And so I was so disconnected right. from like, is this normal? Am I okay? And um, that was a real trust issue with God of like, okay, God, like, am I okay? What should I be doing? So we cut off a piece of the placenta and I immediately put that in my mouth and sucked on that um, right after the placenta came out. And then uh, my mom made me a smoothie with the placenta in it as well. Um, and I had tinctures and things to take, herbal things but I was already having strong contractions and all of those were just going to cause contractions. Right. And so it was pointless to take them because my body was already contracting very strongly. Yeah. Um, so it didn't make sense for me to take them. So I felt like that was my, that was the wisest thing for me to do was take a little placenta and relax and eat and drink and trust God. And I never had any dizziness or anything, but just the amount of blood was, Seeing it was unnerving, right? Like there's just this mental thing where we see blood and we go, ah. Um, yeah. So having to deal with that. So I would even tell moms that even they're having a home birth and they have midwives there to like connect with how much is coming out of their body and like mm. okay to see it and to be like, oh, that's that's okay. Um, yeah. Even if, I mean, even if you're never going to have a birth by yourself, it's just a good thing to be aware of like this is what a body does and that's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was really that probably felt like the only part that was a little bit unnerving um, was was afterwards and, 
and just being like, okay, am I okay? <laughs> Is this all okay? And it totally was okay. Um, and I did everything I could have done to make it okay too. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any tearing. So there's nothing to be concerned about in that arena, or, you know, in anything like that. But just kind of talking to God about it, like, okay, God. Yeah. Um, I'm here. I'm still trusting. This is a little scary, but I'm still trusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. I can, I can definitely see why, having never seen how much blood came out of you before, that would be... Yeah, because it can seem alarming. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what yeah. was normal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But yeah. I love how we saw you even through that. Like you, and I love that your first impulse was to talk to God about it and keep leaning into that trust, not to do the doctor Google or like call the yeah. EMS, right? Like, yeah. I mean, if you had to do that, that would be fine. But yes, um, you didn't start there. I love that your first impulse was to just lean in harder to to God and say, "Yeah, am I okay?" Yeah, um, right. I felt like, you know, I'm, I'm still, I was able to get up and go to the bathroom and not get dizzy. And like those little things were like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. And I also, I had planned to be like so natural that I was going to use like cloth pads and things like that. Well, those do not soak up postpartum, like immediate postpartum blood. Um, mm. And so yeah. I called a friend and was like, I need you to bring um, legitimate truck pads <laughs> and diapers. <laughs> and, <a> yes. <laughs> and so at least did. at least for several and that days. Made right? a yeah. world of difference too. Yeah. 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 I was like, I need, yeah. I just need the, the normal stuff. I'm not going to try to do this as naturally as I am. Like, just bring me, <laughs> just bring me that. Let's lower um, the bar of the crunchiness just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right. I was like, that, yeah, that, that was too crunchy. It was. Because and that was part of the problem is I was just seeing these massive amounts of blood that was not being absorbed like it would be into those other materials. <laughs> so I was like, this is a lot. Uh, so that definitely helped it as well. Um, and then we did we burned his umbilical cord and had like a little ceremony and told the kids his name and why we had chosen his name um, and sang some songs and prayed over him. Uh, while we did that and that was really beautiful too that was so special and I felt like I got to be connected with all those aspects of his birth in ways that I hadn't been before yeah um and his umbilical cord it came off in like less than two days and it was so clean wow and I don't know if that's typical if there's a cord is burned as opposed to cutting it but I was I was shocked it was it was beautiful it was like the clean, no Uzi, anything. It just was like this cleanest. I don't know. That's, a thing. That's awesome. That's, it, it, yeah, it was pretty phenomenal to me to see it. I wonder if it speeds happen. up the dehydration process a little bit. Like it may be dead. The drying out, yeah. you know, because of the yeah. heat and the, yeah. Yeah. I have read that it's really good for a baby's digestion, that it kind of drives heat into their digestive system. Oh, um, interesting. And like helps with you know, just it kind of starting to act like it needs to. And, and just the same thing, like postpartum drinking warm, you know, warm foods and broths and all those kind of things going to the body that it's just kind of a, it's a warming thing for their digestive system. So that's kind of interesting. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't heard that particular benefit, but that's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. I love the cord burning ceremonies. It's like, yeah. I feel like especially after a birth that's a little fast or knocks you off your feet in any kind of way. It just yeah. kind of like helps you come back down and just get still and remember really like the sacredness of what just happened and yes. take a minute to integrate it and 
Yes. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. There's something so fast and like final of just like a snip, like cut, done. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, yeah, being there and just sitting together through that was really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. The kids, they got to be part of it. You know, they got to hold the camera. Yeah. And, yeah. It made it really special. Well, so that was your wild pregnancy and your free yeah. birth. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. It really was. Um, I just felt like I fully soaked in all of it. Um, the placenta went in the fridge for a couple of days, so I was ready to deal with it. I still, I had placenta smoothies, I think, every morning for like the first week. And then I felt like, mm, I don't need those anymore. I yeah. kind of felt like I was done. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was able to take out my placenta and look at it and examine it all. And just kind of, I don't know, have my time to be like, this, this is what allowed you to grow and celebrate that. Um, now it's in my freezer and at some point I will maybe plant it. I don't know <laughs> what I'll do with it, but it makes you there. feel better. I still have mine from two years ago in my freezer. Oh, so oh, okay. That makes me feel better. We have dogs. I keep... and if I, oh. if I if I plant it, they're just gonna shake the stupid thing up. <laughs> so... Oh yeah. Yeah. Well if you put a tree on top of it, yes. Maybe they can't get to, to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And how long ago was that birth? I don't think I caught how long um, ago you had your third. Just a little less than three months. Okay. Year. So he's still real little. Yeah. yeah. Uh. He's not. He's a huge baby. He's okay. he is two and a half months and sixteen pounds now. He's a child. Wow. But um but he wasn't he was only eight he was eight pounds. No, seven seven pounds, five ounces at birth. So he wasn't oh, a huge baby no, that's not birth. a giant yeah. newborn. Yeah. No, but he grew. He grew fast. Um, He's packing on the pounds. Yeah. Put about a pound a week on actually since birth for like two months. Um, Go buddy. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And he is just the happiest baby. Um, Just think he's never had anybody poke him or prod him. And he's just, he's just so, he's so happy and so strong and I mean, he held his head up from the get-go. Like, he was like, I'm here, and I'm ready to, like, yeah, to, like, make a name for myself. Um, he's just, he's a wonderful little baby, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. It was the most beautiful uh, experience. Yeah. It sounds really beautiful. And don't you love that the first voices he heard were all his siblings and you and your husband, mm-hmm. right? Like, just those familiar voices that he already knew yes. from in utero and yep. first hands to touch him were yours yeah. and all those things like does so yeah. much for the bonding process. And yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. And it was so special for them to be part of it. And um, it's just, birth is just normal and natural for them now. Mm-hmm. Um, which I love. I wish I had had that, you know, that would have been so neat yeah. for me, I think, as a little girl. I would have loved that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of us don't get to see that before we have our own babies. And even yeah. then, sometimes we're not seeing it in the form that you're talking about right now. <laughs> we're right. seeing it in this really disturbed, distorted version. <laughs> yeah. Hospitals yes. with all the interventions. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you are still yeah. postpartum technically right yeah. now. How are you yeah. doing? How has it been so far compared um, to your actually, others? I wish, well, I feel like I did so many things better. I still, yeah. life is so busy with the amount of kids that we have and where mm-hmm. we're at in ministry. I can't say that I could have even done it any slower, but I wish I could have. Um, yeah. I was 
really on the couch for the first week, um, which I was up and around more with my other babies. And I just really wanted to soak this one in. I could have been up. I felt fine. I didn't have mm-hmm. much bleeding, um, but I re- just wanted to sit and snuggle him because I realized how fleeting it was. And so that's, that's all I did. And even that second week is both, that's basically all I did. And then um, I feel like by like three weeks out, life had started to pick up its normal pace. And I kind of kept feeling like, I don't want it to do this. Mm-hmm. And also I didn't have much of a choice because my mom went home and, um, and everything in life kind of went on. And I don't, I don't know how people, I don't know if you don't like my husband, he didn't have any maternity, he didn't have any paternity leave. So I don't know what people do to like stay home for 40 days or something. Like I didn't want to just stay yeah. home, but like I would have loved to have that, that, chunk of time that was just fully our family and not doing any mm-hmm. of the outside things that pull on us all the time. Um, that being said, I still have felt really well. My body, I didn't have, I didn't have any tearing. So I didn't have like this dramatic healing that had to be done. Um, I've been so intentional about healing my pelvic floor this round. And that's mm-hmm. been a really amazing awesome. experience of, I feel like correcting even problems that I had from the first two mm-hmm. that now mm-hmm. I'm finally getting around to like, Oh, fixing it. This is amazing. Um, and I haven't pushed myself like I did some after the first two of just, just taking my time and being okay with doing what feels good and not pushing any harder. Um, yep. so I, yeah, awesome. been good. yeah, it's been really good. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you say it's kind of true that just as we get better with the birth every time we often get better at postpartum every time. Yes. It's like, cause every time you learn more things that you can then implement. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many babies it takes to finally get it perfect. I know. I know. I know. I've kind of joked and said, well, I can't stop now. I'm just getting good at it. Like, Well, if you do have more, if you do have more, you need to come back and tell me that story too. Okay. I I totally will. I totally will. I do think we'll definitely have one more. I felt like God has said that there's another one. So I don't know when, but I have felt that already. So awesome. um, I love it. Yeah. God knows. So you had summary statements after your first and second about like what you feel like God gave you or showed you through that birth. Do you have something similar that you wanted to say about this one? Yes. Um, I think it was just that if I take full responsibility for what, for what God gives me, he will take full full responsibility for what is his to take responsibility. So like my responsibility Mm -hmm. was to care for my baby or to care for my body in pregnancy and to be intentional about learning about birth and preparing myself for that and keeping my mind fixed on him and not going towards fear. Those were all my responsibility. And his responsibility was the baby. It was, is the baby <laughs> going to be breathing when it comes out? Is, the, is my bleeding going to be okay? Um, all these little things, those were his responsibility. And I felt like in other times, I had been so concerned about the things that weren't my responsibility instead of being concerned about the things that were my responsibility. And so it felt like this, this very clarifying um, time of like, what's mine and what's God's. Okay. That's yours, God. Okay. I'm going to trust you with that. And I'm going to wholeheartedly focus on what I'm supposed to be responsible for knowing that I, I can't, I can't affect that anyways. Right. Like I, life and death is in your hands. And we had to, like my husband, and I had this conversation of like, well, what if, what if our baby dies? Like, what if it does? What if the baby is 
not even alive when it comes out or what if it dies shortly after and we had to come to terms with that and say that that doesn't change what we're doing because that life and death is in god's hands and we we have to realize that that could happen anywhere like that doesn't have anything to do with with us following him and being obedient that's in god's hands i can't make my baby live nobody can make their baby live and i think foster care in some ways prepared us for that because i've realized you know I, I I don't get to choose whether I receive a child or or I have to as a child goes back to their mother. I have no control over that. Wait, I also have no control over my own children. Like they, my own, my biological children. I don't know the number of their days. Only God does. And so I've it's that's kind of been a process of me learning to let go and give all of my children to God. But then in pregnancy of learning to give. Okay, this new baby I've never met. Can I give him to God before he's born? Mm-hmm. Can I say, God, he's yours before he's even born? And you do with him what you want. Because um, that's your responsibility, not mine. It's powerful. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> mm-hmm. God, he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. And your stories demonstrate that so clearly. Um, and I just love the way that you give him so much credit for it, too. <laughs> like you said, like... You know, attribute attribute these things to the right person. Um, yeah. So thank you for doing that. I think that's a real gift for everyone who hears your stories is the testimony that you're also giving to like who God is and how he loves his daughters. Yeah. 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 But this really feels like a um, a little bit of a dream to share this podcast with, with you or, you know, that my story is on a podcast because in my last pregnancy, I listened to so many podcasts and over and over just felt like that's great. That's God. That's God. And just had this dream of like, hmm. I want to be able to give God the credit. I want God to get all the glory because he's, it's him. It's not these women. It's not their amazing vaginas. It's not, it's not anything <laughs> out there. Like it's God. And so we need to like stop it and give him the glory. Um, so it just feels, it feels really um, amazing to be able to do it because I just always felt like, God, I want to have this rebirth because I want to give you the glory. Like, I want to be able to do what I hear these women are doing and say, no, it's God. Um, for whoever needs to hear that, it's God. Amen, Audrey. Yeah. <laughs> That's powerful and got, made me a little teary. <laughs> oh, <laughs> me too. I brought Kleenex. That's so like, good. In case I cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I love your heart there. And I, yeah. That's that's the heart of our podcast too. So perfect yes. fit. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you so much for being here yes. and for sharing. Um, yes. I can't wait Thanks to drop this episode. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time yeah. to listen. It's been really wonderful to share and to, to be talking with you. Somebody's like minded as well. Yeah. Good. Okay. Stop. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Holy Wild Birth. We hope that you were genuinely encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. If you're loving what you hear, please make sure that you share it, leave reviews, that helps other mamas find this content as well. And don't forget to read the show notes, okay? Because that's where you can find our email address if you want to reach out to us and start a conversation. It's also where you'll find free offerings as well as invitations to work with me and or Lauren. We can't wait to get to know you. See you next week. Bye.